Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Triple Jump podcast. It's a video game podcast. My name is Ben. And my name is Peter. Good morning, Peter. Uh, good morning, Ben. How are you? Oh, tired today. Are yeah, you? I am a bit. Yeah, I don't know what happened last night to either of us to both happen to wake up feeling really tired on the same day, but I don't know. I think there's something that flew over Newcastle last night. Mm, just drained sort of, everyone's life energy from them. Some kind of dementor or yeah. or sleep fairy. Mm-hmm. Don't know. But yeah. uh, we will muscle on because there are video games to talk about. Good way to set people up for the upcoming podcast. Yeah, like, isn't it? Just are so you, you know, everyone. for just a terrible low-energy chat? Yeah. I mean, no, hopefully we'll, it won't we'll be. We'll wake up, I'm yeah, sure, as we go. It's just in the grand scheme of things, neither of us are particularly awake at this current moment in time. But we're professionals, mm. and now that we've acknowledged that... Professionally. We will, we will forge ahead and create some memories here. Yeah. Just you and I. Uh, so this is our video game podcast, which the, the wording of that implies that we have other podcasts that are not video game related here at Triple Jump, but that's not true. No. This is our podcast that, that is about video games because we're a video game channel and not an athletics channel. Mm-hmm. We are sponsored, Peter, each and every week by a very real company that wants to give us money to do this podcast. Yes, we are. Uh, and this week, Ben has brought along an ad read for that company. Uh, so that we will get that podcast money. Ben, would you like to read it? I will. Uh, This week we are sponsored by the PlayStation 3 and PlayStation Vita digital store. Oh, okay. Yeah, we weren't going to be. No. But then they decided, no, actually, we will. We'll sponsor actually, you. Actually, we will. They just so, did a U-turn. It's not like them, really. No, they usually stick to their course. So I've got the... Let me see what it says here. It says, Hey, idiots... Hmm. Do do you want to buy uh, all of our games at at full cost because you think they're going away forever? Hey, idiots, what about if we artificially drove up the already very high prices of Vita memory storage cards? Hey, idiots, what's that? You can't buy certain PS1 classics anymore because for some reason they've started disappearing from the store already? Well... Good news, idiots. We're not going anywhere. So I hope all of you who spent money on our store in a panic and in the the the, the sort of the, the aftermarket 
eBay realm to get yourself a nice memory card for your Vita to store all those new games you were buying before they vanished forever. I hope you're all happy at all that money that you spent because the stores are staying around. Was that verbatim? The bit where that's, you sort of, said, uh, sort of um, uh, yeah. yeah. They were. I was on the phone to them this morning. They were in a bit of a rush. Oh, they you just, just copied sort of, it down. Yeah. I just yeah recorded their their noise that they made out of their mouths mm-hmm. and then just. That was me playing it back, actually. That wasn't even me speaking. No, yeah, that was actually a recording. Um, it was just the audio. So, yeah, sponsored by the PlayStation Store on the PS3 and the Vita. It's not sticking they, around. Not that they need sponsoring, given that they just made a shed load of money by lying to people. Yeah, that's um, true. They made some money from me. Have we... Let me refresh my memory, because I made my mm. notes. Yes, yes, okay, it is coming up in today's podcast, so I will hold my tongue for now, but I've, you know... I've got thoughts about this. In fact, yeah, we've got a question about the exact aspect of it that I want to talk about. So I'll wait. But uh, oh, have we? Have we not? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to work. I'm looking at the same running order as you. Question three. Wondering. Question three. Yeah. Okay. Yes, I hmm. see it. That's yeah. fine. Uh, yeah, we'll get to it. Unfortunately, that sponsor's not real because Sony doesn't care about you or me. No. And so they would never sponsor us. So <laughs> there we are. Uh, who we are sponsored by are our wonderful patrons over at patreon.com forward slash team triple jump. For only $1 per month, you get access to the podcast post where you can submit questions for this podcast. We have other tiers, of course, other rewards. So go check them out. Consider supporting us if you're in a position to do so. It would mean a lot. Please do. Peter, where are we walking today in the video version of this podcast? Oh, perhaps we're walking along a box of Kleenex because of the thin tissue of lies that we were fed. This week. You really? I didn't know where you were going there. No, I know. I mean, there's a lot of associations with Kleenex, and people don't tend How to think about of lies so straight we're away. We're walking along the crusty sock that oh. we can't afford to wash because Sony made us spend all our money on their store. Please, no. I don't... The crusty sock is just crusty because we did athletics because outside. We trod on a Domino's or something. We did sports on the Domino's yeah. floor. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, what? Okay, let's move on to question one, shall we? Yeah, it's from Copernicus J Dog, which is a great name, and I hope it's mm. his real name, Mister J Dog, um, who says, "Howdy, chaps! Have you ever had a video game or anything video game related invade your dreams? I had my first ever triple jump dream earlier in the week. Tiny Peter was leaving to explore new ventures." He was becoming a rock star, apparently. Whoa. And I know. And he had been cha- uh, and he had been charged with finding a new presenter as a surprise for Ben. The next episode of Worst Games Ever was hosted by an annoyed Ben and television's own Nicholas Lindhurst, as TP <laughs> thought he would be best to fill the void. I mean, I'd be absolutely flattered Incredible. to be replaced by Rodney Trotter. Right, I was just about to Google just so I could get a visual up, but yes, I, now I'm with you. What I better way to replace the guy who goes by Tiny Peter uh, than with a man who I think is about six foot four or something, isn't he? Yeah. He's a very tall He's man. Tall guy. Yeah. Um, well, I, um, I've certainly had a fair few 
triple jump dreams and video streams, but I wouldn't class those as video game dreams mm-hmm. in the same way that Copernicus J. Dog would. Because for me, the reason I'm dreaming about those things is because it's stress dreams about work, yeah. not because I'm dreaming about video game YouTube channels. Um, mm. So I really had to rack my brains uh, to try and remember if I've had any video game dreams at all. I may have had dreams where I'm just sort of almost in the background of my own dream, I happen to be playing on a console, but I didn't have any like vivid memories of anything specific. And then, but I did remember last night while I was lying in bed thinking, I hope I have a video game dream tonight. So I've got something to talk about. I did actually remember a dream that I had when I was, I don't know, in my mid teens or something. It was around the time it, I, it was, it was at the time that I'd been playing Tomb Raider Anniversary which is a great game. It's a remake of the original Tomb Raider game for the anniversary of Lara Croft and her her video game series. And I had a dream uh, that Lara Croft was just... We were just eating a family roast dinner together. Like, me and all my family were there, and Tomb Raider's Lara Croft was... She'd just been invited around for tea. I don't know if she lived in the village, or maybe she was new, new to town, and we said, hey, would you like to come and meet the Austins? Um, it was like completely normal. Nothing happened of note. It was just when I woke up, I thought, well, that was not normal at all. That was like a, a video game character, sort of semi animated, really. She was kind of, she she wasn't like a, a live action version of her. She was just sitting there, like kind of not polygonal, because it was a, a relatively good looking game at the time, it was, although it was PS2. Um, but uh, she was there as a CG character. Just, just tucking into some beef or whatever it was. I don't remember what oh, we were wow. eating. Um, was she nice? She was nice. She was very polite. Um, I do remember her at one point asking if someone could pass her the peas. Um, oh, that's good. That's very Lara. I can hear her say that. Yeah, with her lovely British accent. That's my um, favourite bit from the games. Yeah, when she, when asks, she asks for the peas. For peas. Yeah. Um, but I don't really remember much else. I remember just sort of seeing her eating. She asked for someone to pass the peas. And then she also said, uh, she asked whether me and my brother and sister had school on Monday. And that that was, that's all I really remember of the dream. But that's kind of the only notable video game related dream I could think of to answer the question. Other than, as I say, I'm sure there have been dreams where I've maybe just been kind of playing games and then other things have happened but uh right yeah what about you well prepare to go on a on a trip oh ready yeah i mean this from the man who often says that he doesn't dream very much if at all no i don't it's i don't but when he does while to get to sleep (laughs) but yeah usually when i sleep i wake up and it's like wow now it's morning time and that's it nothing's happened in between so i i have a childhood friend called Max Hmm. and his dad was a carpenter by trade and used to fit narrow boats right like canal boats yeah I think you've told me about him before yeah some kind of at some point done yeah and uh, at one point they stepped up their business and they actually bought a local boatyard they owned it wow and so he would uh, his dad would fit the the barges there and uh, and then sell them and they had a canal boat because of that that trade. And there was one time where 
I was invited along and we stayed on the on the canal boat and we went up and down the canal for like a couple of nights. Nice. It was amazing. What an yeah. experience. And I had my game. We both had our Game Boys. And I've had to look it up. And I think it was Super Mario Land 2, the six golden coins is what it's called. Right. And I played this game a lot. And I was, I don't think it was, it was a game that I particularly enjoyed, to be honest. I think it's just, I, I had it and that was it. So I played the hell out of this game. And then when I got back, and I think it was partly sleep deprivation or something else, but I was, I was quite emotional and irritable. Mm. as a as a young boy and um every time i closed my eyes i heard super mario land 2 six golden coins music and or sounds and it freaked me out i felt like there was something going wrong with my brain because all i could hear whenever i closed my eyes was this bloody game and i had to get my mum to take the cartridge away because i didn't want it i didn't want it anywhere near me anymore that is it accursed me that is sort of a recognised phenomenon. There's a thing called the Tetris effect, which you might have heard of. Oh, okay. Know, yeah. Where people who play a lot of Tetris, when they close their eyes, they can just see or kind of they can't help but imagine or picture uh, Tetris pieces falling and like the different ways they can fit together. And it's not like they're choosing to necessarily. It's just there. And I actually had this as well. You know, I revealed only very recently the podcast. It might have been last time or the time before. that For the start of lockdown, I played a lot of Candy Crush. Yes. Um, yeah. I don't know if I said at the time. It's actually partly because I've got a new phone. And whenever I get a new phone, I get some games on it and play them. And then as soon as the novelty's worn off, I never play mobile games again until I get another phone. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, that's all by the by. Uh, so I played a lot of Candy Crush and I had the same thing where if I shut my eyes or, you know, when I went to bed, I could kind of see the candies and almost hear the music as well. I think it's oh, wow. it's something that can happen to people, I, I guess, particularly with 2D, fairly basic games. I think it would be a bit weirder if you shut your eyes and you could see like you know, The Last of Us or Horizon Zero Dawn playing out across your field of vision. But I I think think it's inherently the design, isn't it, of those mobile portable Mm. games is that they're meant to be pick up and play and be as memorable and earwormy as possible. Yeah, yeah. And abstract shapes and stuff are quite easy to... You can almost see them being formed in the kind of swirly haze Mm. that you get when you shut your eyes. Like you can form the shapes out of that that kind of nebula so yeah i can well, believe that we've so got she took st- the cartridge away yeah well i gave it up willingly i was mm. like mum i'm scared i don't know what's <laughs> happening why can i so you've got to add super mario land 2 six golden coins up there on the mount rushmore of scarred ben as a child along with final fantasy 7 and mm. resident evil 2 <laughs> goodness me just just too easily spooked and it's it's hard to it's hard to imagine now peter because of the 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 granite hard man that I've become. Yeah, you know, nothing phases me now. No, strong as an ox. But back then, made of rice paper. Me. I mean, maybe it's all by association as well, because of course Rosie and Jim, who mm. were infamously haunted by the tickle monster. Yes, uh, they lived Two on horror a... icons. Yeah, they lived on a canal boat. So maybe mm. the time you'd spent there had slightly unhinged you a bit and it's allowed possible. the cartridge into your brain i've been through some big tunnels on uh on a canal boat before it's very mm-hmm. dark yeah. yeah so 
Yeah. Well, there, there we go. That was more of a nightmare than a dream. But yes, yeah. Super Mario Land. Spooky. Crikey. Spooky wow. game. I'm glad you're okay now. Yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, I'm all right. I'm doing okay. I'm getting by. Uh, let's move on and talk about stuff that we are currently doing. Yes? On consoles. Yeah. What we playing? Oh! It's what we play in time. Peter, what are you... Oh, God, I nearly... <coughs> what are you playing? Help! Hey, you okay? How are you doing? Yep. Uh, I'm fine. I, I've been... Uh, I... I I did what I said I would do. I mean, I, it wasn't a commitment. I didn't have to follow through with it, but I did it anyway, which is that yeah. I've been playing Evercade in bed when I wind down for the night. And, I mean, surely it's only a matter of time before when I shut my eyes, all I can see is, like, Pac-Man. But, you know, for now, I'm okay. I've not been playing a lot of Pac-Man. It's okay. I'll be I'll be all right. Uh, I've played more um, Xenocrisis, which is one of those two uh, homebrew uh what were they dreamcast games or i've forgotten oh, mega drive okay, yeah, yeah. uh mm-hmm. i've already forgotten all of the information i learned like one week ago but they were homebrew sega games um and uh so they there's there's uh xeno crisis and tanglewood on one cart and uh when i first picked this picked that box up i looked at the two and thought tanglewood looked more my kind of thing it was like you play as a fox in a forest it looked very zen and fun and almost you know uh mascot platformery kind of thing mm-hmm. even though it's 2d and i thought xeno crisis just sounded a bit a bit much for me it sounded a bit like a metroidvania or something which i've i've never really been a fan of however it's almost the reverse and xeno crisis is is just uh, a really simple but action-packed shooter so it's that twin stick one that i talked about you don't have sticks on your evercade but you use your face buttons and your d-pad and right. um wow it's just so much fun it's just it it's as i say it's kind of mindless um but in a really enjoyable way it's very satisfying because it's that kind of thing where if you shoot a line of bullets and then just kind of strafe up and down or left and right and just wave your line of bullets around you'll take out a load of enemies in in one go so you're swarmed by lots of enemies at once but they're very easy to take down um Mm -hmm. and there's grenades and you can dodge roll around really quickly i've kind of talked about all this before but i'm just kind of listing all the things i love about this game and uh it's very hard not to just quickly boot it up and and have another go when uh i'm just lying in bed uh i've also i'm trying to think why because i've had the interplay car as well and what i played um more clay fighters uh which i still can't play that's the one with the claymation uh sprites um it's like a a fighting game um and i've tried to play some earthworm gym and i think later on i'll I'll try and just give it a bit more a bit more time and patience but wow it's it's one of those side scrolling games where you feel like you're passing by loads of stuff above and below you because it feels like the levels are quite tall, but you just seem to be moving left and right. And you sort of, you're walking past all these seemingly like different offshoots and you don't know which one is the right one to go to. And uh, I, I felt a bit overwhelmed. I really love how that game looks and it, the animation is beautiful and it's it's just very nicely stylized. It's got very much got its own style and its own image. Um, but yeah, I just kind of felt like, oh man, I kind of need to wait until I've got more time to spend on this and actually learn the levels and and where I'm going and what I'm doing. Um, Mm -hmm. but you know, all that aside, 
very good game, and I am looking forward to, to playing more of it. I've also played a little bit of uh, Republic Commando, which I've been really enjoying. Um, I've basically finished all the stuff that you do on Geonos- Geonosis, if I can say it properly, um, mm-hmm. which is uh, the first area. It's that desert planet where the bug people live from the, the clone uh, Attack of the Clones film. Um, and uh, moving on to that, you then do some stuff... Uh, moving on from that, sorry, you, you uh, go to... Uh, a, a, a set of levels that are set in space on a ship, a big uh, ship. So I've only played the very beginning of that, um, but I'm looking forward to playing more because uh, I've heard good nice. things, actually. I've heard good things about those that bit. I did find that the Geonosis stuff was getting a bit samey, just constantly defeating the same enemies over and over. Um, right. But I'm now thinking at least I won't be fighting any more bug people, probably. Um, instead, I'll, I'll probably just way. get... Well, yeah, I'd probably just get bored of defeating the same other kinds of enemies in the other areas. I think the last bit of the game takes place on Kashyyyk, um, which is the Wookiee homeworld. Mm-hmm. So uh, that I'm looking forward to that too. But that's mostly what I've been playing. I've, uh, yeah, a bit of Republic Commando on my console and Evercade in my bed. Nice. That sounds fun. Yeah, well, it was. What about you? What have you been playing? Well, I haven't been playing that much, really. I, I Last weekend, I had a really nice time just sort of watching TV and just, mm. I don't know. I, don't I, I played Batman Arkham City, a bit more of that, and uh, the the initial shock of what it looks like in 2021, I've overcome that now. Right, um, yeah. And I've settled into actually really enjoying it again. And uh, I did change my character skin because... There were a load of uh, pre-order character skins, again, as I've talked about on the podcast, I got very excited, and the only one I could get in the UK, seemingly, from the place I was pre-ordering from, was the uh, the Dark Knight Returns skin, the mm. Frank Miller graphic novel, the very famous one set in the future where Batman's all old and stuff, um, and so I read that graphic novel before the, the game came out, just to f- familiarize myself with it, and I was like, okay, I'm ready, let's go, I'm going to play as Dark Knight Returns Batman. And the one skin I really wanted, but couldn't get, and I'm not even sure that they actually even had it as a pre-order bonus in the UK from a particular outlet, was the animated series Batman, which you could get as a skin and play as that. And so I was so excited when I started this up to be able to play as the animated series Batman. It looks terrible. Like, it looks really bad. And I think that's perhaps what was one of the most jarring things about it is because... Because it's a cartoon art style, obviously it stands out, but also it looks really jagged and rough. Like mm. the character model just doesn't look very good. Right. Um, and so I ended up changing it back to the Dark Knight Returns skin, and it's actually really good. That one has aged really well. It fits in with the sort of dark presentation of the Arkham games anyway. Uh, it wasn't much... Uh, it wasn't much longer, actually, after we recorded the last podcast that I unlocked the upgrade for the grappling hook, which means you can double tap X while you're grappling and then you'll shoot up the other side and can immediately glide. Uh, so yeah, yeah. that definitely improves uh, traversing the city. And I actually I wasn't sure if this one was even in this game. I thought it might have just been in Arkham Knight. So I'm glad that that's here. I have just it's looked still up not... that skin, I should just say, before we oh, move yeah. on from it. That Yeah, that animated series skin is not it's not great it's not kind of, great is it it looks obviously it's because it's it's based on an animated thing as you say so i'm not it's not a criticism of the game but it makes it look like 
that worst games ever Batman game we played because it's got this right. like really rudimentary looking model running around mm-hmm. a semi like realistic world. So yeah, I can it looks like it's been built out of concentric circles as well. Yeah, it's really weird. It's like, like a it's... bad mod that's you know someone who <laughs> sort is. of knows what they're doing, but not yeah. really. That's a shame. Absolutely. Yeah. So Arkham City still got, I think, the growing pains that were ironed out in terms of traversal in, in Arkham Knight on the PS4 and Xbox One. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, the amazing port on PC. But uh, I still think it's 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 just a great game. Like in terms of the story, you know, the position that Batman's put in, it all takes place over one night, as does Arkham Asylum, obviously. Uh, and you just run through this sort of gauntlet of all of Batman's biggest villains, and a lot of whom weren't actually in Arkham Asylum and you didn't see at all. Mm. And uh, there's lots of side stuff, so many Easter eggs. Brilliant game. I, I wish we were getting another Arkham game, to be honest, rather than the uh, the sort of live service four-player, three-player co-op games that are currently in development of both uh, Rock, uh, no, Rocksteady and... Warner Brothers Montreal, I want mm-hmm. to say. I'm yeah. not entirely sure which studio. But either way, I'm not convinced about those games. And we'll see what they do with them. But yeah, they're, they're, these games were really special. And mm-hmm. uh, I would like to see a return to, to it at some point in the future without the multiplayer stuff. Uh, apart from that, been playing some Persona 4 Golden in bed. I've now reached the really fun point where I am making a note of various status effects and where to get them so that I can go to that position in a dungeon, just not attack the enemies and hope that they, for example, poison all of my teammates. And then I can spam a button so that at some point my, uh, what's she called, sort of like guiding persona party member will say, oh no, you've been poisoned. And oh, I can cross yeah. that off the list because I'm still going for this ridiculous trophy oh, where I need 250 lines of dialogue. So yeah, doing that, that's fun. A uh, little bit of the evil within and some Warzone. And that place is, by the time this is uh, released, uh, Verdansk has been nuked. Yes, I saw. I saw on, on the news, on the internet, the game news. Yeah. yeah. So that's going to be interesting. I'm looking forward to seeing the new map or however new it's going to be. The, the only mode that's available at the time of recording, or at least last night, Wednesday night, was a... The Destruction of Verdansk Part 1 or something. Mm-hmm. And you basically land and immediately, as soon as you die, you become a zombie. And then it's just a case of getting rid of the other humans. But playing as a zombie is really boring because mm. <laughs> the other zombies can hurt you. And it's just a bit crap, really. And when me and my team did make it to the exfil zone, there was no... I suppose it's the point of the game mode is that it there's they fire the nukes anyway at the end of the the match because right. it's containment and there is no one coming to save you but there's not even a pat on the back well done your team survived to the end it's just it's just lol you get the same cut scene uh. and that's it and that's just so uh, anyway we would we were playing that last night and just complaining the whole time <laughs> <laughs> uh but thankfully there's there are going to be new modes in soon so we'll see but okay. um, good maybe I'll return to Warzone a bit more often if we get a new map when you're playing as a zombie, do you get a, a special weapon with your with your hands or your teeth or something, or you're just carrying a gun, but you represent a zombie? You you can you have a gas grenade, right? Um, that sort of replenishes, and you can throw it, and it'll make you know humans cough and splutter and slow them down a bit. 
Uh, you also have an EMP blast you can set off, I'm assuming for to get rid of equipment and if enemies are in cars and vehicles and stuff. Um, and yes, you sort of you basically just melee. So R2 is you just you use your little zombie claws, but you right. can hold down L2 and do a massive leap, like huge leap mm-hmm. across the map. Uh, but frustratingly, whenever you die, which is really easy because you're you're made of porridge or whatever. Yeah. Um, it spawns you just bloody miles away from all the action. Mm-hmm. And when you get near a human, they can hear you coming a mile away because you're going. Nah, rrr, 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 and yeah. it's just, they just turn around and shoot you. And it's like, great. Now I've got to spawn on the other side of the map and jump all over it again. It's just not very fun being a zombie. Because there's, uh, there's different ways that games approach that sometimes in that kind of those zombie mode style games sometimes you do become a zombie with yeah mm. like claw attacks or whatever but i remember in halo they used to have a, a game mode called infected basically and mm. uh you i think the implication was you were a zombie i don't know if the yeah actually yeah it used to say new zombie when oh, someone nice. became a zombie so you were supposed to be a zombie but all that happened is your armor went like green or sort of you know bile color and then Mm. you were given a sword which is not very zombie like so some games do it like that where they're like yeah you're you're a quote-unquote zombie and you need to infect the other (laughs) players but all you really are is just you've got a certain weapon and maybe some special abilities but like you don't right you don't feel like a zombie um, well, you do look and sound like a zombie in this, okay. but you do have a permanent UAV, so you can see where all the humans are right. at all times. On As the map. zombies do, they've of all course, got UAVs. Yeah. They know that. I mean, kudos to to uh, Treyarch for combining and the other various Activision studios working on it for combining both the zombie verse and the Warzone verse, because zombies have been popping up for a few months now, quite mm. a while. Uh, in various specific locations. But now it seems like the the storyline is zombies have overrun Verdansk and they need to nuke it. Right. And that's that's the story here. Which is fun, but the game mode turned out to actually not be that much fun. But it seems like it was just for last night because by the time we were wrapping up, they got rid of that mode. Uh-huh. And uh, there's just a load of... Uh, a load of modes on Rebirth Island, as it's called, which is that sort of extra tiny war zone map that that i mentioned before but Mm. set before some kind of nukes went off which is weird because it turns out we've been playing in the destroyed version for the better part of a year and now we get to play in it pre-disaster so there's one part of it that's um that was like a building site and in this version is a full-on building that's never been there before and it's also at night so oh. it's uh, yeah, they're doing cool things. I just thought the zombie stuff was crap. So <laughs> I'm looking forward to when it's all. They've said apparently it's going to be a week of mayhem. So I don't know what that means, but I'll check in when the new map's done and maybe give that a go. Right. Oh well, good. I hope you enjoy it. Ah, oh, so do I, man. Um, I need it. We've got a I question though. In the meantime, have we? Needs asking and answering. Okay, let's see what Samuel Benson's got to say. Samuel Benson says, At what point do you give up on a game? I know this might be different for you as video game journalists. That's right, shout it from the rooftop so our mums can hear us. Mm. But do you have a certain time requirement before you give up on a game? Cheers, lads. Um, I I certainly don't have a, a hard and fast rule to answer this question. It massively varies. It depends 
why I'm giving up. Like, you know, if it's... There's various reasons to give up on a game. I guess I'll go into those after. Uh, It also depends how much of the game is left. If I'm kind of feeling like, is it giving up time? Oh, well, hmm, maybe not because there's only like an hour to go or there's six hours to go or there's 40 hours to go. Um, And I guess also what has to factor in is what else I could be doing with that time, either playing a different game that maybe I'm looking forward to moving on to um, or something non-gaming entirely. Like if if there's a a TV show I'm enjoying that I want to binge or, uh, you know, whatever. So there's all kinds of factors that, you know, kind of go into the equation. Um, I think as a... The closest thing to a general rule I can come up with is that I either give up quite soon into a game if I immediately decide it's not for me or once I get past that point I tend to not give up on games for the most part I will kind of see them through so I think I have like this threshold moment after again it depends on the the ultimate size of the game how long I give it but um you know maybe a couple of hours in uh, and then mm. I think is this for me am I enjoying this and if I am then I'll probably carry on to the end um but uh as i say it depends partly why i'm giving up is it because the game is overwhelmingly large um but still a good game or is it because i don't think the game is very good uh or as i say is it because there's another game out there that i really want to play right now and this one i'm playing right now is good but that one is more highly anticipated so it's uh it's hard to give one answer to this Mm -hmm. um i guess the only other thing to to say is that some games I do actually start them almost knowing that I don't have the the intention to complete them um or you know I'm not refusing to allow myself to complete them if I decide I want to of course but like for example Assassin's Creed Valhalla I knew that I wouldn't finish that game and I don't just mean I knew I wouldn't 100% it I I was pretty sure I wouldn't even finish the story I I knew what I was getting into um and I thought obviously if this really does does grab me course i'm going to finish it but uh i know what i'm getting into with assassin's creed games and i thought what i want to do is uh see the world that they've created um learn a bit about the story and the characters and stuff and yeah maybe maybe it'll make me want to finish it but uh i'm going into this knowing full well that i probably won't want to because i know what assassin's creed games are and ultimately they're not quite for me not in terms of completing a story um so yeah, all kinds of things go into that decision, really, and it, it depends. Uh, it, it varies massively from game to game for me. Yeah, yeah. No, for for me, it's I can usually tell quite quickly if I don't really like a game. Yeah. And this set of rules that I sort of have for for deciding whether or not I like a game uh, tends to change massively depending on whether I got it, whether I paid for the game or whether I got it for free, either borrowing it or getting it through PlayStation Plus, for example, I'm far less likely to give a game its juice or time uh, to, to sort of really get into it if I haven't actually paid out of pocket for it myself. Right. So the last time that that, that happened for me with a game that I actually I did pay for was uh, Star Wars Squadrons, or whatever it was called. Oh, uh, yeah. The dogfighting sim game from last year. And was it Squadrons? Was that it? Yeah, yeah, Squadrons. Yeah, I just didn't like it at all. And I knew fairly quickly that I just wasn't having fun with it. And uh, and so I just sort of abandoned it. But a lot of time will, we'll, you know, maybe get a game through 
uh, again, PlayStation Plus or whatever that uh, is part of your subscription. So you've technically paid for it, but it's, you know, it's just there and it comes out mm. and I'll download it. And if I'm not hugely excited about it anyway, and I play it for maybe half an hour to an hour and I can I can usually tell pretty fast, like, is that do I want to keep playing it? I don't know that I do. And so I sort of just sack it off. Um, but yeah, that that's that's really what it comes down to for me. Mm-hmm. It's just, did yeah. I pay for it? And am, am I even enjoying it? Because there's a point where you do have to cut your losses, even if you did pay money. You just, it's like the, what is it? The, the sunk cost sunk fallacy. Cost. Yeah, yeah. Where, where it's like, it doesn't matter. Look, you've already, you're already not having fun. Why put, why put 30 more hours into it? Yeah. Why, do, like, why do that? You just got to walk away. It's like throwing good money after bad or or throwing good enjoyment time after bad money you know yes. like um yeah I, i'm with you on squadrons by the way i finished it mostly just because it's star wars and i wanted to see what happened but it wasn't for me it wasn't that good um but it was its own it was partly the genre i think it was like mm. it was a flight sim yeah. game is what it was there were all those different yeah. controls and stuff and that's it yeah i think a lot of people found the same thing where they thought oh i just kind of want to be able to just use both my sticks and maybe a face button and a shoulder button and be able to just fly this ship and do fun things with it and it was third person camera please yeah third person camera would have made a lot of love difference. to be able to control it in more of an arcadey way but never yeah. mind uh there we are but yeah that's that's it i think there's uh there's a point to be made that if you're not having fun don't feel like you need to stick with a game and even if it's a game that everyone else loves it's okay to just accept that maybe it's not for you yeah. And I think a lot of people do ultimately confuse that perspective for, well, it's crap because I didn't like it. So it's crap. But it's OK for there to be a game that you can appreciate is really good, but it's just not for you. Mm, uh, yeah. Happens all the time. Lots of games like that that I've not enjoyed. Red Dead Redemption 2 being a prime example. Yeah. Just couldn't get into it. Don't doesn't mean I think the game's crap. It's clearly magnificent. It's just yeah. not it's just not for me. Uh, so there we are. Peter, yeah. hmm. are you ready for something a bit strange? Uh, where's... Oh, no. Where oh, I tidied it? up here in the week. Oh, the that's what you get for tidying. Hang on, hang on. I've got I've got a wrapper here. This is ridiculous. A wrapper for what? Uh, a Nature Valley bar. Oh, make sure it's got no crumbs left in no, it. No, I've, I've, I'm holding it in a careful way. <laughs> okay. It's time for Weird News. Nature Valley. <laughs> Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Peter, it's time for weird news. What weird news do you have for me this time? I've got some kind of good news, weird news, weird good news. Um, It's a a happy story. It's still weird, or it's like, oh, right, this is strange, but um, it's 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 a good thing. Um, Mm. There were I desperately tried to find a write up about this anywhere but Kotaku um, because I'm just always resorting to Kotaku. Well, we we both are to an extent, but you know we both deviate now and then, and I I try to, but. all the other ones I could find were very long. I didn't want to have to sit there and like edit it down for a read. So uh, I've I've gone for the Kotaku one because it's nice and potted and short and clipped. So mm. thank you, Riley McLeod, for prescription video game could help people who've had COVID. Oh, okay. So there's actually this is almost a follow up. This story, as outlined in the the first paragraph, I, I believe. I don't know how we didn't get this when it was first a story for weird news, but this um, prescription video game is already a, a thing. This was written about like some time ago, um, and only now. Oh, it was last June. Uh, so wow, that is quite a, a, a while ago, actually. Uh, anyway, I'll read it. Um, but this is weird news that we should have caught at the time, and we didn't. Um, researchers are testing whether a video game can help treat the cognitive effects of COVID nineteen. A study uses the game Endeavor RX, which last June became the first video game requiring a prescription to play. And there's a link there to Kotaku's write-up of that. Endeavor, uh, Endeavor RX is currently used to treat children with ADHD. As reported by The Verge, Vile Cornell Medicine uh, neuropsychologist Faith Gunning is that's just a collection of words, isn't it? Um, <laughs> is testing the game on adults who've experienced cognitive difficulties after having had COVID nineteen. These symptoms can include difficulties with attention and memory. We don't think everyone who's recovering from COVID nineteen needs cognitive intervention, Gunning told The Verge. But there is enough data that suggests that a significant number of people who have suffered from COVID nineteen will have some cognitive issues. Gunning noted that one of the strengths of a game-based intervention is that it can be more engaging than traditional methods, which she said can be boring. That's a quote. (laughs) Right, okay. Um, Whether the game itself is any fun is probably a matter of personal taste, says Kotaku, especially given its audience of kids. But gaming has seen a huge leap in popularity during the pandemic, helping people stay connected to each other or deal with being sick. A video game is also scalable, Gunning said. It's something that can be given to lots of people. We need things we can get out into the community. Even if it's a small subset of people who've had COVID-19, the sheer number of people who've had COVID-19 means we need interventions that are effective and can be disseminated widely. So there you go. Not only is there 
a prescription video game out there as of last June, but it's now being tested as a, a kind of post-COVID treatment for people with um, cognitive issues as a result. Incredible. Yeah. Oh, nice. Video games. Look at that. Weird news. Saving the world. It's not all bad news here at Weird News. It just mostly is. No. No, it's not. There's My weird news is also not necessarily bad news. Good. Well, tell, from, tell me all about it. I will. I was just pausing for dramatic effects and also my brain just sort of froze. It did that little YouTube buffering symbol for a yeah. second there. Could you hear it? Could you hear that sort of I heard the, the three-hour pause? Uh, boot up sound effect. Yeah, my my brain. It's nearly it's nearly ready. Uh, PC gamer. This is Stephen Mesner. Mm-hmm. This Hobbit baked millions of pies to hit max level in Lord of the Rings Online. Right. Okay. Are you ready to learn more? Yeah. Well, who's where's this from? Sorry. This is PC gamer. PC gamer. Okay. The Lord of the Rings Online has been around for 14 years, and in that time, players have slain countless orcs, goblins, and the occasional Balrog. Naturally, the MMO gravitates towards the more adventurous and violent aspects of Tolkien's universe, but one player has managed to reach level 130 in the most Hobbit way possible, baking millions of pies. Wow. His name is Cooking with Sim, and he's a Hobbit on the Evernight server. Every day for the past eight months, Cooking with Sim has been either in the kitchen or out collecting ingredients to make pies, using the pittance of experience points you get to slowly inch his way towards max level. It's a mission that would have likely required baking at least a million pies. This remarkable achievement happened about nine days ago, with players gathering in-game to celebrate as Cooking with Sim earned the final bit of the 205... 1,829,281 XP he needed to bake across the finish line. That mini-celebration was then shared on the Lord of the Rings online subreddit, where other players marvelled at Cooking with Sim's persistence. I feel the only way Tolkien would have approved more is if you could level through storytelling, wrote one player. To the oven and back, a hobbit's tale, wrote another. It goes on. Can I just say... Tolkien would have no opinion on... No, Tolkien wouldn't understand He wouldn't understand, and even if he did understand, I think he would think it was probably sacrilegious, um, given that, like, Lord of the Rings is rooted in Western European folklore and, like, tradition, and now it's been turned into a video game where you can bake pies, and people on Reddit can talk about how everyone gathered together on server 195 or whatever the fuck. What's I mean, Reddit? Steady, and nearly swore why wouldn't? Whoa, why <laughs> wouldn't you bake a pie in real life? I don't understand. Ugh. Who are you and what are you wearing? <laughs> What's going on? So we don't know exactly how many pies it took to get to level 130, but they explain they were frequently baking them in batches of 10,000 to 15,000, which really tested the limits of bag and vault space. <laughs> Though the XP per pie depend well that's fun to say. XP per pie depended yeah. on a few factors. Players will only technically typically sorry earn about 50 XP per crafted item. That would require around 4 million pies. Wow. So there we go. Absolutely insane. What a, lo- what a lovely sounding game. I wish I could just go. I'm looking at screenshots of it and it looks exactly how I would imagine it to look. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. something I don't want to play. Yeah. Oh, there we are. me. Here uh, are what? the players celebrating the pie. I don't the understand. Pie, the pile stone. <laughs> I don't understand why 
anyone would do this. Like, I, I also applaud the persistence, but, mm. you know, it's the same as, like, the... I don't Carrying know. soup. Yeah, dead exactly. Online. Like, yeah, okay, congratulations on not going mad. Or maybe you did, the fact that you've done this at all. They're this all might are. be it. This is clearly a crazy challenge that Cooking with Simmers given themselves, mm. and uh, I hope they had fun. But yeah, I it's hope not they something had fun that I too. Would, I would do if it takes eight months, you know, of playing every night, just baking. It's something pies. to do, but it's got to be really monotonous. You know, yeah. you're not you're not trying to get to level one thirty as fast as possible by doing quests and killing things, which would at least offer some variety. That's it's what like I that, mean. Yeah. It's like that bit from the South Park episode where they play World of Warcraft and they're just killing the hogs over and over again mm. to level up. Yeah. God, I can't no, be that's doing what that. It's the monotony. That's what I'm... Yeah. It's, oh, madness. Oh, oh, oh. Bloody hell. Better move Let's on to question on. three. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this is from Michael Melan, or possibly Melan. Uh, Mallon. Mallon. Michael Mallon. Michael Mallon. Greetings, comrades. With the recent news of Sony's reversal on removing the storefront for PS3 slash Vita, as well as other stories like the famous Sonic movie redesign, it feels like we're in a new social media era where every... where everyday gamer voices, it says, have much more power. My question is this. Do you think, long term, this will be a good thing or even a lasting thing? Thank you, Michael. Mm. That's a good question. Thank you, Michael. Sorry for taking the mick about the one word where you accidentally missed a letter. Um, Hope your melons are okay. Yeah. Uh, So this is what I stopped myself going into when we were chatting in the intro about PlayStation storefronts. Mm. Um, So I kind of feel like this this is a strange situation because although I've kind of facetiously said I've I've talked about lies that were told I don't think they were lies I think they obviously had every intention of taking down the storefronts and then they realized oh god we're in trouble we better not do it and then they went back on it it's a u-turn it's not a lie um so you know as michael says is this a good thing um that now if we do put this kind of pressure on these companies uh, that we can kind of get our way in in some sense. I think ultimately it could be a good thing, but only because or only if um, such companies are able to separate what I admittedly very subjectively call the good voices and the bad voices. <laughs> right. Um, if Naughty Dog had listened to everything that was said in the wake of Last of Us Part 2, goodness knows what they would do next. You know, they would make a game about a white man going round, finding women to have sexual intercourse with or something, you know, Uh, a a straight person. I Um, think you're describing The Witcher 3, aren't you? Yeah, that's it. They would have made The Witcher 4. Um, Now, of course, (laughs) I don't have anything against them making a game about a straight white man. Of course I don't. Uh, you know, I like Uncharted. Um, however, my my point is not that it, that would be a horrible game to play. My point is that it, it's horrible to say that a game that's not like that is bad because it's got lesbians of colour in it or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, it, it's, it worries me in some ways that... If people shout loud enough, they get their way in this new social media era. However, I do think that 
hopefully, as I say, these companies are actually able to separate certain voices from others. Now, you know, I kind of feel funny about saying that because who am I to say what is the right and wrong thing? Um, I mean, maybe, maybe bigotry is not the right thing. That's I'm just putting that out there. Maybe that's not, maybe that is wrong. Maybe I'm okay saying, going on record saying that that's a bad thing. Sexism is bad. Yeah. but What a, um, what a brave stance. <laughs> but, uh, you know, in, in by the same token, like, you know... T- to an extent, everyone's entitled to free speech, and so it's not for me to to silence anyone who has an opinion that's different to mine. Um, but yeah, I think on balance, it could be a good thing that as a community, people can say this is we think this is a bad decision. Sonic looks terrible. Why have you given him teeth like that? Why are you not preserving video games like this? Um, so it, it's good if we're getting positive results from that. The downside is that you still have other ways in which people can respond to, um, certain decisions made. Um, so it's not just about discourse on social media. You can have review bombing and things like that. So that's always going to be an issue. I think, I don't know if we're ever really going to get away from review bombing, Mm. um, so, yeah, I mean, ultimately what I'm saying really is that I think it comes down to whether Sony, for example, or or anyone else is able to sort out what is and isn't worth listening to. And that's, in some ways, that's a tricky thing to do. Yeah, okay, it's easy to get rid of the, the really horrible stuff um, that's fueled by prejudice. But once you've cleared all that out, you're still left with a whole mix of opinions and voices. And, you know, there's not always a majority when these things uh, are being discussed. So I don't know. It's it's uh it's it's worrying in some ways. I've some optimism, I've some pessimism. I don't really know how I feel about the social media world that we live in. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. As was the case with The Last of Us Part 2. That was the creative vision of Naughty Dog and Neil Druckmann and all the creative team and the people who worked on that game. And so the response, the negative response and reaction to it was quite fairly overruled slash ignored um, mm. because that was the game that they wanted to make and that's that's how they decided to make it and you don't really have any right to yeah to 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 sort of get them to change anything. However, mm. that was also a mix of opinions where there was a very very loud minority who were complaining. And the the vast majority enjoyed it and thought it was fantastic, but they weren't complaining. It's exactly the same reason why you go on things like, uh, I don't know, Glass Doors, that, that website where you can review employers, yeah. or when you go to, I don't know, what's another one? What's, what's like a, a food review? What's the food reviewing one? Yelp, that's the one, isn't it? Yelp. Where usually people only log on to leave reviews when they're mad. Mm. And so it isn't necessarily a reflection of how most people feel. Uh, but equally, this has happened in the past with Mass Effect 3's ending, infamously. Yeah, true. It was bad. I don't think there were many people who said, yes, that was good. But I think there was more of a divide between people who really wanted it changed and people who were just like, eh, I'm not that arsed. It is what it is. Mm. Uh, and they did end up patching in a slightly different ending. So that can, you know, people made a difference there. Uh, Infamous 2, infamously, <laughs> <laughs> um, completely redesigned the protagonist, Cole. 
and people hated it. Like that doesn't even look like the same guy. They've yeah. already they replaced the voice actor for one, and then they just completely redesigned him. Didn't look anything like the same guy, and they ended up responding to criticism and slightly adjusting him and, mm-hmm. and changing it. Uh, this also appeared to happen with the Demon Souls remake. They slightly redesigned the Flame Lurker boss in a in a trailer pre-release, and people were like, "Oh, I'm not really sure how I feel about that." And then in the final version, uh, the the design of the boss was far more in line with how it looked in the original game. Dante so, as well, Devil May Cry, yes, um, had a had a certain misstep that we don't talk about. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it does happen, and people people, as you say, are, are welcome to voice their concerns and frustrations. It does. It will ultimately, as you say, come down to uh, outlets, companies, publishers, developers, whatever, being able to see through what is valid criticism and what is just hot air, essentially. In yeah. fact, this week, very publicly, the whole European Super League thing mm, was yeah. was sort of announced and ultimately backed down from by several. Uh, in fact, I think all of the top flight Premier League clubs that were going to join it. So it does make a difference. But what happens when it's flipped around? What happens when it's, you know, not to try not to get political here, obviously, because that's never fun or really conducive to anything when talking about video games. But certainly it seemed that it was with The Last of Us Part Two, it was people, let's say, on the on the right of the of the political spectrum that yeah, had generally. issue with it. But now we're we're faced with a situation where we've got six days. Is it six days in Fallujah? Is that what it's called? Yeah, can't remember the exact wording. Yeah, which is largely being called out by the left, and I am not educated enough really to mm. feel comfortable giving an opinion on this either way. Which I think is a perfectly valid stance. Yeah. Um, but it like what what happens then? Do, do do the do the people on the left side of the political spectrum, which is I think is fairly transparent, where both you and I identify as as landing, hmm. um, is it fair that they are able, if if this comes off, that they that they might have the the power on social media to get this game completely cancelled, and those those people's creative visions will never see the light of day? Is that fair? I hmm. I. I don't know. It's very grey. The topic obviously is very different because Six Days in Fallujah is based on a real thing and The Last of Us Part 2 is not. Um, but like, is it is it fair? I think the same conversation still applies and it's very complicated and it still ultimately comes down to whether developers want to go through with what they believe is in the best interest of the creative product that they're making versus societal pressure even if that is quote-unquote right or quote-unquote wrong. Yeah, and I think you can also, you can cause frustration within an audience by sometimes giving them certain victories, like in this instance with Sony. Um, you know, I think obviously everyone's pretty pleased with the the final result that, you know, here we are, uh, the stores are staying live. But, you know, in their statement, they said, thank you for sharing your feedback with us. We're always listening. Now, mm. to say that we're always listening and then to, in almost every other aspect, ignore um, <laughs> cries out for video game preservation. You know, you said yourself about the, the PlayStation classics that have been started to be removed. Um, and, you know, there's an ongoing issue with backwards compatibility, which I don't think will... I mean... It, 
if I think seriously about it, I don't think they're ever really going to address backwards compatibility. Uh, certainly not as far back as PS1 and PS2 kind of era. Um, so it can be, it could almost cause more frustration by saying, hey, uh, you know, you guys spoke out on social media. We listened. We made a decision. Here's what we're doing because of you. And then everything else that those people might ask for, um, things that might be shared by a huge majority of fans. Um, for those things to then go uh, unheeded, that could that that can be difficult, a, diff- a bitter pill to swallow, I suppose. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, obviously, I extrapolated that to sort of the extreme there of like <laughs> what complaining and campaigning against certain things in the video game industry can lead us to. It can lead to games being outright cancelled. Like it, mm. it genuinely can. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I don't know, depending on the project, it's difficult to say, really. It's very complicated, but people do have power. They really do. Yeah. And developers and publishers don't always listen, but sometimes they do, and sometimes it's for the better. Sometimes it's kind of pointless, and sometimes it could arguably be seen as not being particularly good. But who knows, eh? Who actually knows? Hopefully, no one was particularly upset by that conversation, because I know that as I said, politics really, it just doesn't help a lot of the time, does it? Yeah. It just leads to frustration and, you know, you're listening to a podcast and you can't talk back at us. And it's anyway, hopefully people will understand where we were coming from there. But yeah, you you do have a voice and you can exercise it. And sometimes mm. you will be listened to. But equally, they have every right to not listen to you. And, so, and sometimes they might listen to you, but not really be humble or show any humility in their change of decision so i saw um owen from uh cultaholic retweeted the statement made by liverpool mm. uh, going back to the super league thing and it was it was just something like um you know uh despite having made plans to you know like join join the super league uh, we have now uh cancelled those plans or something and that's all it said there was no apology uh, yeah. There may well have been, you know, a clickable link or something to go to a, a bigger statement. I know we're talking about football here, not video games, but it's all big companies sometimes need to think very hard about. Don't just don't just uh, do your U-turn and make the right decision. You then need to maybe kind of address where you were going in the first place and what you were thinking, uh, because as I say, Liverpool, there was no apology. And no kind of, uh, we, you know, thank you for your ongoing support. We will always be for the fans. Um, and, you know, it's a bit like saying, so, yeah, we were planning on um, on committing uh, armed robbery on that bank. We we're going to go in with a gun and, like, uh, take take a load of cash out of the vaults. Uh, and now we're not going to. And they're expecting some kind of applause for that, you know. I was, I was going to do a bad thing, and now I yeah. won't. Um so we're yeah, always again. listening. We're always listening, and uh, we'll we'll maybe not do more armed robbery in the future. Um, Ugh, we'll think maybe, about it. Maybe we'll plan it, and then again decide on balance. Maybe not. Uh, anyway, we're great. Yes, so. we are great. Thank you for being here. Uh, you must all let us know what you think about that and the power of social media. It can be powerful. It can be dangerous. It really mm. can. Yeah. Uh, social media is largely a blight on society. I don't think many people <laughs> would argue with that. Sometimes it can be used for good, sometimes not so much. When it comes to video games, change can be affected. It really can. Yeah, Well, right. from one big discussion to uh, <laughs> to another. I know. I've just but, found some paper as well. Oh, well, nice one. Where was that? 
on the, just on the floor. I must have oh, missed brilliant. it. Brilliant. Nice job day. cleaning, Peter. Yeah, it was behind the desk. Yeah. Uh, let's move on then. It's time let's. for the big discussion. Big discussion. Ah, oh, big discussion time. This big discussion's pretty chill, Peter. Mm, it is. It should be yeah. should be quite a nice chat, and it comes via Quetzal. I'm going to say Angel. Does that seem correct to you? There's a little accent on there. There is, yeah. Quetzal an Angel. It says Angel, but only if you Quetzal Angel. Quetzal Angel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Quetzal, very much for your. Big discussion question. Hello, Ben and Peter. I really enjoy all the content you have put out over the years. My question is, which games do you think have the best free roam? I recently played Infamous Second Son, and the game is fun, but I found the city a little less fun to explore than its predecessors on PS3. Keep up the good work. All the love. Oh, well, I mean, I kind of wasn't sure what angle to take this question from, because Mm. I think there are different ways to enjoy roaming around an open world i think sometimes it's about how you get around and a good example of that would be the spider-man games uh, marvel spider-man and miles morales i've never i don't think i've ever had more fun traversing an open world than i have in those games purely because of the you know the web swinging um new york it looks great in that game it's not the most beautiful video game open world i've ever been in because it's just a you know it's an urban landscape and apart uh, from when the sun's setting oh well i mean it, it then can it's look, the most beautiful <laughs> it ever. can look very beautiful and it can be very interesting to explore all the little nooks and crannies but when you're whizzing through it um at high speed again i'm not saying it's not good looking it's good looking but it's not like you know my number one most beautiful world to to roam around but it's probably the most fun way to get around a world on the other hand it can be what happens to you as you are moving around the world. Um, so while I think that Oblivion is maybe one of the most beautiful uh, Bethesda RPG open worlds um, in the past couple of decades, really, I think Skyrim, despite being more bleak, um, you know, it's got more of those those sort of radiant things, those random encounters and uh, mm-hmm. interesting things that can happen to you when you're walking along, especially when you're new to the game. I think that's that really is what took my breath away more than anything else with the likes of Skyrim. Um, and I think Red Dead Redemption as well had similar things where you're just exploring the world. You're on your way to a quest or to a town or something, and you just bump into someone on the road who tries to mug you or says take this and don't give it to the to the guard or whatever or uh you know someone's attacking uh a, a caravan or something like that and that kind of thing i think can really factor into the enjoyment you get from exploring an open world um you know mm-hmm. if it feels alive if it feels rich if you know that uh you know i could fast travel to my destination but maybe i want to walk there and just see what i encounter um, there's definitely something to be said for that. But yeah, again, then when it comes to just actual beauty, um, I think, I mean, Oblivion is still still always up there in my sort of top three. Maybe it's still oh, my yeah. number one. I don't know. I've it's got just, Oblivion on my list as well. Yeah, it's just so zen and beautiful. And uh, the even music. just the, oh. the music and the even just the sound effect of like the wind blowing through. There's something mm-hmm. about that. Um, kind of reminds me of my childhood when I grew up in the... In the country, in Cyrodiil. In yeah. Cyrodiil, yeah. Not that I grew <laughs> up in a kind of a 
what what's the word coniferous forest mountainous mm. region surrounding a large lake but um just that that kind of hillside and uh yeah i don't know it's uh such a lovely place to be and yeah, yeah. the music helps really yeah. nice i made a note of a number of them so i don't know if you have any more but feel free to just jump in and weigh in as and when mm, yeah. uh but yeah i also sort of twisted the question slightly not so much uh i didn't i didn't just keep it to open world games necessarily right, okay just games that i thought were just a joy to explore mm. so not maybe joy isn't the operative word but i will always always be in awe of the level design and the way you make your way through dark souls Right, yeah. I think the way that that loops back on itself, the fact that you start off and you have three different directions that you can go in, one of them is recommended and the other two are one of them's a dead end, the other one is really hard for the start of the game, but you can you can you can go where you want really. Mm-hmm. Um and then you know you defeat bosses and you come back around a corner and you go through a gate and it's like, "Oh my god, I'm here on the other side of that gate. I'm in the corridor where I was earlier." This is am- and the bonfire's just down there. This is amazing. It's brilliant, and you can see areas that you get to later on. Mm. And they really nailed that. And it was such a loss in Dark Souls 2 not having Miyazaki and his team involved because they try to do that same thing where you spot stuff off in, off in the distance, but it just doesn't line up at all, like not even close to lining up. And you can tell when you play the game. You don't need to basically take the camera anywhere we like to try and find new secrets and discoveries in some of our favourite games. Like You can genuinely tell... There's a tower over there. You go down, a, you go down a staircase in a tunnel. Then you walk through a really long tunnel where it's clearly just loading the next area. Mm. You walk out, and then it just—it's just not even. Basically, they just put JPEGs of areas you'll go to later right. on the skyline. And it's just a bit crap, and it's such a shame. Whereas in Dark Souls, it all actually lines up, and it's really cleverly designed, and all makes sense. But um, anyway, in terms of some actual open worlds. Far Cry 3, on a similar level that Oblivion is lush and green and beautiful, Far Cry 3 is a beautiful open world. Mm. It's so lovely and so nice to explore as well, especially when you get the wingsuit and you can just jump off a ledge and just zoom around in your wingsuit. It's a it's brilliant. And I think it did actually end up getting ported to PS4 and Xbox One and stuff. I may be yeah, wrong. It's, uh, that was one of the... That was like the fourth thing I was... So, uh, you know, in terms of getting around... What happens when you're exploring how beautiful the world is? The fourth thing mm-hmm. that I actually wrote, I forgot to say, is the toys that you've got to play with um, yeah. to kind of, you know, have a, a, a sandbox to, to play in. You know, you've got like GTA has some of the more interesting vehicles, like there's that dump truck and you, know, you can get a tank or whatever, and that can add a whole extra level to, to free roaming. And mm-hmm. things like Just Cause as well with like grappling hooks and little little rockets and all sorts of things um yeah you know i found that even with mercenaries which was not uh again not a particularly beautiful or at least not a very unique open world um but being able to call in helicopters uh and uh like cool cars and stuff just uh having those at your fingertips kind of added a whole a whole dimension to it that you wouldn't necessarily have had if you'd just been walking around it yeah yeah no absolutely i totally agree so the wingsuit um, is definitely a yeah something wingsuit's so good and that game as well with vast and stuff still the best one of the best villains in games yeah certainly puts the rest of the far cry games for to, to shame for sure as much as troy baker tried his best and yeah 
whoever else has played the other ones. I'm looking forward to seeing what uh, Giancarlo Esposito can do mm. in Far Cry 6 whenever that ends up coming out. It's a pretty compelling but, teaser. So Yeah, he well, he's brilliant. But the thing is, so's Troy Baker. Like Troy Baker's excellent as well, but they just gave him very little to work with. Mm. I think he just wasn't around enough. That was the problem. And I can only imagine how expensive Mr. Esposito is yeah. <laughs> to bring in for a game. So God knows, we may get an intro cutscene and an outro cutscene, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And uh, and we just hear people talking about how frightening he is, but we never <laughs> see him, which would be a bit crap. But that's hopefully possible. not. Hopefully yeah. it's not that. Uh, another one I've got on here is Ghost of Tsushima, a relatively recent one. Mm. That world is gorgeous. It's so varied and beautiful and... I don't know. I don't know how to, to put it. Like, it's lovingly crafted. You can go from the cherry blossom trees all the way up to the snowy mountains down to a, like a, a serene lake um and and then like to the other end of the island it's snowing and there's like the the waves crashing on the beach and all around are dotted all of these side activities that you can do and they all feel sort of themed appropriately like cutting through the bamboo um the duels in particular are always in beautiful locations. So one of them is, I think, on like a large rock underneath a waterfall next to mm. the sea. And it's just it's just such a stylish game. And it's so beautiful. And it was such a joy to explore, especially with your horse that you get to name as well. Yeah. Um, excellent game. Beautiful open world. They really outdid themselves there. And it was a joy to just be in that game, in that world. So nice. Uh, I've actually got a GTA game that I imagine a lot of people won't pick, which is GTA 4. Yeah. Because that game is like, it's the camera smeared in Vaseline. It's kind of grim and gray and a bit manky looking. But it feels grounded, doesn't it? It feels real, yeah. Yeah, it's like you're actually in a believable city, which is kind of ironic because I think that's, sort of what they felt they made with the likes of GTA 5. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, look at this vibrant living city that we've made. And yeah, of course, it's it's a brilliant simulation of of an urban environment. But it, I, I know all GTA games really have had that parody aspect to them um, where they're, they're clearly mocking all kinds of, you know, aspects of modern living and stuff. But mm-hmm. GTA 5 felt a little bit more towards that wacky kind of oh wow yeah it's it's gta whoa whereas (laughs) gta 4 although it still had plenty of you know little nods and wink nudges and funny brand names um it yeah it did just feel a bit more a bit more believable and real and and Mm -hmm. grounded i have such fond memories of, of playing that game especially the online and jumping into a private server with uh three or four friends and mm. and then just like making our own games up and stuff it was really good fun like i i do really like that game and i love that city i still i uphold that i think it might have the best uh intro theme music of any of the games um another two very quickly the final fantasy 7 overworld which mm-hmm. is displayed weirdly and i'm very interested to see how they tackle this in the remake if indeed they even get there where you're basically just a sprite of cloud running around like you're a giant basically running around Mm. this open map uh but there's so many things to interact with and see like little houses that you can go in and talk to npcs who sell weird items or complete like 
side quests, but the side quests aren't marked like in a side quest menu or anything. They'll just say vaguely like, oh, have you have you come across this thing? And then if you bring it back to them, they'll say something or they'll warn you about something that comes up later in the game and then you can go back and talk to them. And they'll, they'll have something new to say. Like, I love that. And the, the, the map, the open map music, which I think basically is a remix of the Final Fantasy VII main theme anyway, is, is also beautiful. I think music plays a huge part in exploring these open worlds and it's it's such a shame that i couldn't get into breath of the wild because i know that that's a big one for people they love that open world uh, that's in zelda breath yeah, of the wild yeah of course that's well worth a mention so i mean there's tons you know the witcher 3 people love that too there's 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 so many excellent open worlds and we would love to hear some of yours yeah if, if you'd like to get in touch and let us know what your favorite open worlds are do you have anything else you want to say peter uh, well, actually, there's, there's only... I just thought then when you were talking about music, one that mm. I think, if memory serves, didn't have any music or much music anyway while you were not in a quest. If you were just exploring, um, it was Dragon's Dogma, uh, which was a game that I actually really enjoyed. It was a bit of a... It felt a bit big and a bit like much to handle, and there was very limited fast travel actually despite there being this very large seemingly sprawling open world um and quite often as well not only so not only would you have to run to places wherever you wanted to go but you would encounter loads and loads of groups of enemies which would take a while to defeat so from that point of view it did sometimes feel like a bit of a chore to get around but it was very beautiful and the the good thing about that game, of course, kind of one of its USPs, uh, not so unique anymore, but at the time, it was one of the only games where you could kind of grapple onto enemies, climb up them and stab them in the face and stuff, you know, big, like, cyclopses and mm-hmm. griffins and stuff. And uh, you could be running along and at any moment, seemingly, that, like, a, you know, a, a cyclops would be round the corner or something would land from the sky and... Uh, there was something quite grand and epic about that. You felt quite heroic um, wandering around this world that was fairly typical fare in terms of Western fantasy. Uh, but the fact that it was filled with these monsters that could, you know, kind of appear whenever, mm-hmm. um, th- there was something about it that it, it was always... You always felt like you were on an adventure, I think, with that game. And maybe that's why they had, like, as I say, limited fast travel. There was a bit, but you could only go between like a couple of points um i think there was there was music when certain combat uh encounters happened but uh i do i seem to remember when you're just sort of running around and crossing fields and stuff there wasn't uh, a great deal happening but um it that's an example that proves that you don't always need the music to uh to kind of have a good uh, world to explore yeah, sometimes it, it can just be carried by um, the overall feel of the place. So, absolutely, yeah. and I'm certain that there's just so many brilliant open worlds that we've neglected to mention because mm. so many studios have done them so well and put their own spin on it. Uh, but yes, do let us know. I Peter's, say, yeah, let us know. Peter's now going to tell you the various ways you can find us and get in touch with us if you want to. Uh, yes, I am. We're at Team Triple Jump. Wherever you look, YouTube.com. 
uh, and twitch.tv forward slash team triple jump. That's where we do our streams and videos. Remember, if you've got Amazon Prime, one of the benefits of that is that there's a kind of uh, a free Twitch sub bundled with that. So you could maybe spend that on us. Uh, when we're streaming on both Twitch and YouTube, we're modded by Lord Rotovich, Madstadactyl, <laughs> and Trowling Badger. Um, our social media is twitter.com and facebook.com forward slash team triple jump. Uh, Luke Eldon looks after Facebook for us. Patreon.com forward slash team triple jump is how you can access our Patreon and look at all of our different rewards and tiers available. We've now got some handier links. If you want to go to our Discord server, it's triplej.mup. That's triplej.mp forward slash Discord. Oh. Um, that's nice, isn't it? And that's modded by Jack, Joe, and now Hollow Eyes. So everyone, welcome Hollow Eyes to the mod, uh, the modding team yes. over on Discord. Absolutely. Uh, the podcast, if you're watching on YouTube, can be accessed very handily in audio form at triplejump forward slash podcast. Of course, triplejump full stop. I mean, not with a full stop, but just that <laughs> is our yeah. website. Um, uh, so you can go there to to see what we're getting up to and so on. We've got a careers tab, and uh, that's that's well worth a look. Um, we've got the new sh- uh, shop as well, which is triplejumpshop.com. Um, you can follow at triplejumpshop on Twitter to stay updated. We've had some chats this week with our merch team, haven't we, Ben, about mm-hmm. some new shirts and a new pin and uh, or maybe a couple of new pins. I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. But um, I don't think it'll be too long now before the next drop comes. So definitely follow Triple Jump Shop on Twitter and keep an eye on uh, the URL and on the channel, of course. Uh, finally, triplej.mup uh, forward slash VODs will take you to our VODs channel on YouTube uh, where all of our VODs get uploaded and uh, where Pat puts together weekly highlights of our streams. Yes. Absolutely. You can follow Peter on Twitter and Instagram at that Peter Austin and myself just on Twitter at confused underscore dude. We do lists every Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday, streams every Monday, Thursday and Friday, Monday and Friday being the solo streams on Twitch, Thursday being the joint stream, blaze it on YouTube. Worst games ever is fortnightly Friday for patents, Friday for patrons, Sunday for everyone else. It's not a worst games ever week this week. The podcast is every Saturday, and we do shows one every once every other week or thereabouts, something like that. Mm. Anyway, leave a review on iTunes or your platform of choice. It helps something to do with Al Gore's rhythms. This week, besides all the stuff I just mentioned, we've got we've got him. We got, got him. him. Oh boy, yeah. we got him. She says is basically taking his opinion on Dragon Quest V anywhere he wants, and namely our channel, namely our channel. And he's going to tell us all about it in the new episode of What It Means to Me. She One says, of, our of course, favorite creators. Exactly. From Boundary Break, he will be, uh, he already has taught us all about Dragon Quest V. So make sure you go watch that video that went out yesterday on the channel at the time mm. of release. There's something else going out tomorrow, Peter. Absolutely. Uh, we've got a new ranked list coming out. Those of you who've been keeping an eye on the YouTube community tab will have already seen. Uh, what's coming up it's every superman game ranked from worst to best and when we say every we mean actually all of them not like half of them i'm i'm saying nothing more but um yeah yeah uh, it's it's very good it's it's uh well worth a look and of course written by philip as usual um yes. who does an incredible job um Absolutely. so 
do check that out. It's going out on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, 100%. Go give it a watch. Enjoy it. Well, Peter, there's just enough time to talk about the sponsor for this week once more, and that is the PlayStation 3 and Vita stores. Let me just get my on. It says, Sup, idiots. Bet you feel silly for wasting all that money now. Screw you, we're Sony. And then it's just got a crude drawing of Jim Ryan flipping us off. What the hell? Oh, what? What the hell, Sony? God. God, so rude. Real rude. Let's get Jim Ryan out. Am I right? Let's let's use our collective social media bargaining power and get Jim Ryan out of here. Jim Ryan out. Jim Ryan out. <laughs> no, as discussed before, I, no. I think everything will be fine. But there we are. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening, everybody. We'll see you next time. Have a good weekend. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. 